Welcome to Sistrionics, the podcast where we pummel the patriarchy and talk about things like the many uses of coconut oil. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine. How are you? It's been a while. It's been a while. It has been a while. I do miss you, you know. I, I like we, we, we talk a lot. We send each other a lot of things. We're like, oh my God, look at this. This happened. And, you know, and then... And when we haven't been doing that in a while, it does I'm feel like, like there's, a, there's a big vacuum. When you waddled up those stairs <laughs> tonight, I could hear you. I could hear you <laughs> stepping up. <laughs> It is getting <laughs> It wasn't that bad. She's still staggeringly sprightly, I think. Three weeks and I'm going to be a mum. And you're going to so, feel like a nine and a bit month pregnant woman. You're incredible. Yeah. Getting upstairs is, is tricky. Not my favourite activity. No, I bet. Actually, activity is not my favourite activity. I bet it's rubbish. Yeah, I wouldn't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it anyway. <laughs> and I am not nine months pregnant. Um, so yeah, so you do it. You look great. This bump is gorgeous. Didn't your hair bama say hair bama? Didn't she say it was beautiful? Your bump. She did. She described my bump today as beautiful. She was like, "Izzy, you have such a gorgeous bump." And then she proceeded to tell me that I wasn't allowed to eat any more chocolate or any more sugar. Fuck off, hair (laughs) bama. Really upset me. (laughs) That is rubbish. Because right now, ice cream is. It's, oh, is it, it's become my best friend. Is it calling to you? It has become my best friend. Yeah. And I've been so good throughout the pregnancy. I really have avoided sugar. Yeah. I've really avoided it because like, you know, what they say is basically it just packs on the pounds on the baby and you just end up having giving birth to a four and a half kilo baby. And I don't Jesus want to give Christ. birth to a four and a half kilo baby. So I've been really good with the sugar. Yeah. But I'm in my ninth month and I, I'm just like, you know, feeling really sorry for myself because yeah. I can't do much stuff anymore apart from like waddle yeah but you do it really well <laughs> and i really want to eat the ice cream yeah. and then she said no more for you so that what did rubbish. i do i brought it here didn't you I? did thank you so much listen you're it's welcome. coming to a good home you're welcome um i yeah the thing is with you know that they all were like oh sugar it's sugar now mm. i'm like yeah but <laughs> no like i don't accept that <laughs> um because i can't i can't not with the sugar um so so yeah, but speaking of time, how do you? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that was because there was so a... <laughs> smooth. That was, a, that was a fantastic segue because there is something that you want to share with me, isn't there? I want to share. And there's with something you. that you've wanted to share with me oh my since God. the beginning of the year. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone else has this. <laughs> I have an existential crisis every time, every year when it comes to the choice of a diary. Mm. Mm. And some people are like, just use your phone. And I do just use my laptop, to be honest. And um, I don't synchronize it with my phone because I haven't figured out how to do that, which is really stupid, I know. And I also, don't know how to do that. I also don't know how, how to, how to like, I don't want it like following me at the same time, <laughs> even though I should have it done. But I went down to Dusman, uh, which is the the big, big bookshop big on Friedrichstrasse, and they had they have a wall of diaries, which little, just makes the anxiety. Which worse. makes the anxiety worse. Little ones, big ones, um, expensive ones, cheap ones, very stylish ones, really shitty ones, um, ones with pictures of impressionist paintings of women bathing. Like I don't know. I always and want an impressionist painting. Do you? Do you? Um, and anyway, I have a bit of an ex- existential crisis because I'm like, this one's dead small. You, like, don't like, sh- shut up, Philippa. Of course, you shouldn't spend twenty euros on a diary. That's ridiculous. And then part of me is like, maybe, but I don't know if you have have this with like with stationery and storage solutions. I am not a tidy person. Mm-hmm. 
I, I'm gesturing around my kitchen, everyone. The I am kitchen not... that has just produced a fantastic dinner. That's true, that's true. By we... your living lover. Yeah, not me. <laughs> when I say we, I mean excellent him. chef. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Um, so when I buy a piece of stationery or a storage solution, I'm like, this is it. This is the last one I'm ever going to buy. Well, well, I'm like, this set of drawers. I'm going to organise my paperwork. And once I've bought this set of drawers and I've organised my paperwork, it's all going to say, it's all going to take off for me. It's going to be sorted. It's all going to be fine. Once I buy this acrylic set of drawers for my nail polish, this is going to work. (laughs) And, or this file, this this file, I'm going to put things, I'm going to put things in there. I'll put receipts in there. Everything will work out and I will be happy. I will be happier once I've bought these things and they just add on to a pile of things where I don't... Because the sorting out of the stuff to put them in the things is actually you have to make it worse before you make it better. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but I went for this diary because I did have a voucher. So it was expensive. I'm not even using... And that's the other thing is that I feel like it's kind of mocking me. What, your diary? Because yes, it's, because, because it's, it has so many slots to say, like, do this at this time, do this at the time. And I'm like, do you know what? I'm just like, I feel like it's kind of judging me. It's telling you what to do. Has he got any hospital appointments? Have you got any this? Have you got any well, that? So, okay, so look, it's it's like, it's, oh, wow. it's like plasticky. And then it has a pocket at the front, which I think is waterproof. I think the tides could rise and we could all drown. But I could still know that I would, that I, that I would still have an appointment with Izzy on the the sixteenth of March. I'm not sure how that waterproof bit works. Oh no, sorry, though. it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't save the it pages. Doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't save the pages. It saves whatever you put in the waterproof. Exactly. Bit. But I could put. I you could, could put like a receipt. I, I in could there. put a receipt in there. So just like to explain this to the <laughs> listeners. So there is a there is it's it's surrounded by plastic mm. and then there's a sort of ziplock. It looks like a ziplock yeah, bag and then you can put stuff between. The piece of plastic and the, and the first page that is then safe from, as you say, from, water from, damage. From the, the, the coming apocalypse. But there's nothing in there. No, there's not. There is nothing in there. Because, Izzy, I'm not mm. very important. Mm. <laughs> I don't have a lot of bits of paper where I have to, like, organise things. Oh, do you think that's what it's for? Important bits of paper? Yeah, I do. Or maybe a passport. Oh, maybe, yeah. Or maybe yeah. a... Um, document maybe an important an important document because no one but you know if i was an international woman of mystery yeah setter yeah which which, you've got some card holders card holders yes oh there's a map every every underground system listen i'm going to show you i'm not not every underground system but the underground system we got tokyo we got Milan. Have we got Berlin? Where I can go and see Donatella. Got Manhattan. Got Hong Kong. Got Berlin on a double page spread, yo. Got Paris. Excellent. Got London. Um, well, I had a little check of my diary in April. Yeah. And guess what? <laughs> nothing happened. There's nothing in there. I'm glad. There ain't nothing in there. Well, there's something in there. <laughs> A little something. <laughs> it might come in March. You never he know. He could do. He could do. Do you think? Do you? Do you feel like you're getting to know him? And you like? Does he feel impatient? Mm, I don't. I have a feeling he's going to be early. Yeah. I have a feeling. Yeah. He's be early. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he's he's up like all the time, all the time. at the moment. He's like he's ready. Just sort he's of ready. Like, Hello. Yeah. He doesn't really do his little sleeps. Yeah. Before he did sleeps for like three hours, yeah. four hours, and I just wouldn't feel him for like mm. ages and ages, and that wouldn't bother me at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And then now it's just like all the time. Yeah. Every couple of minutes, he's putting Kicking. his little foot somewhere. <laughs> That's funny. He's very fest in bow. He's very like oh okay fixed. He's very fixed. He's very fixed in my pelvis. Yeah, okay. He's really like fucking ready. Yeah, he is ready. He's, He's really fucking ready. Oh, I'm so excited. Mm. Do, do you feel? Do you feel excited? You feel you've had? I know that I didn't realize that you have like a weekend course here in Germany mm. where they're like, hey y'all, you're gonna be parents. This is really normal. Actually, it's definitely not just in Germany. Oh, okay, it's um you do the prenatal courses. Okay, it's like okay. in most countries um you will do like prenatal sessions and they will like talk you through the mechanics of birth. Yeah. Um, so I don't obviously know how it works in like other countries, but yeah, so I did my prenatal course, uh, my Geburts course. Geburts course. They call it. Oh, they love yeah. it. And uh, yeah, I did it with um, seven other couples and I think that's part of it. Yeah. You know, the part, you know, it's part of it, like you're getting to know each other and yeah. um, you're kind of like meeting people who are... Um, also going to have a baby yeah. around about the same time as you, yeah. which is really nice. So then you have like pre-made contacts. And actually one of them, I've ended up going to yoga with her. Oh my God, BFF. So we're going to yoga together. And baby FF. She is a total babe. Oh, is she? She's a total babe. Is her bauch as nice as your bauch? Um, she's actually I'm really way sorry. further back. Oh, is she? Fair enough. She's 24 weeks. Yeah. So she's still at a stage where you're like, oh my God. Nice and petite. Yeah. 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 Small. You know, like, I used to feel like the fake pregnant woman in, in yeah. pregnancy yoga. Well, she's, like, almost borderline fake pregnant woman right. in pregnancy yeah. yoga. Yeah. And then you get us waddlers yeah. who are like, we really need to work <laughs> pelvis. <laughs> so how do you find the pregnancy yoga? Is it quite... It's very good. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, it's really great. Because it's also, like, it re-engages you with all of the things that you learn... Breathing. ...in your Gebert's course in your in your birthing course mm-hmm. like it sort of re-engages you with all that kind of stuff and like it's it generally tends to be done by midwives actually here in Berlin yeah. like the, the two ones that I've been to both of them done by midwives mm-hmm. who have different specialities so one of them for instance specialised in um, acupuncture oh so she does acupuncture and she also does hypnobirthing. So she's got all these different techniques um, <laughs> I have a question yeah <laughs> hypnobirthing Mm. is that a thing that is a thing is it am i being like like dismissive so Mm-mm. is that is that the idea with hypnobirthing that you kind of like <laughs> i don't know well, what tell me about it get hypnotized get hypnotized uh, but is, is the idea that you're still kind of conscious absolutely but you're just you're just kind of hypnotizing away the pain um yeah so there's like loads of misconceptions about hypnobirthing as i just displayed i would say and it's totally fine to have misconceptions yeah. about this i would say that there is misconceptions about basically every single aspect of birth yeah and that is what we want to talk about today right yeah so we want to talk about um essentially like birth and also the process of me learning about it mm. because there has it's been such a massive learning curve yeah that- and so it, yeah, in this episode, in this conversation, like that's what we really wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about, you know, what it's been in terms of a learning curve. Obviously, I haven't given birth yet, so I'm not going to speak with authority on giving birth, on my experiences of giving birth. But what I wanted to share with you in this episode is kind of what I've learnt and all the kind of different techniques that I've become aware of. And I think the biggest takeaway is I cannot believe 
that I know so much about Nazi Germany (laughs) (laughs) and nothing about my own body. Yeah. And it's really nice to, um, to kind of like chat about this um, and kind of see you weekly and like, you know, talk to you weekly and be like, oh, and, and see the changes in you as well. Cause like, I mean, you used to bounce up those stairs, babe. <laughs> and I was really, and I remember being a bit like, I remember we talked about it being quite abstract. Yeah. You know, and, and mm. now do you feel like it's a lot less abstract? Yeah, it's definitely a lot less abstract. He's there. He's, he's, he's happening. He's really there. Yeah. He's really coming. Yeah. And he's coming in very, very little time. I yeah. think time is passing at, at, at an incredibly fast rate at the mm-hmm. moment. Like, I feel like March just started and it, now yeah. it's mid-March mm-hmm. and then it's going to be the end of March. And yeah. by the time that this episode goes out... Yeah. I could have had him. Oh you my know, God. so it's it's it feels incredibly yeah. near and it feels yeah. incredibly close. And um and yeah, like I think if you know nothing about the birthing process and if you are really like the only thing you know is what you've seen in Hollywood movies, yeah. then of course you're gonna be literally terrified. Yeah. Uh, throughout this entire period throughout this last trimester I think all you're going to think about is oh my god how am I going to deal with the pain how Mm. am I going to deal with that pain Um, so what things like a birthing course do and what things like learning about hypnobirthing do Mm -hmm. is they basically just give you the tools give you the knowledge and give you like all of these different circumstances that can arise during birth and so when it happens to you you're not so terrified. Yeah. You know what's going on. You're like, oh, I can tell the difference between that contraction and another contraction because that's what I read about or that's what I heard about. So like one of my kind of like top tips for like anyone who's about to give birth is to go on YouTube and find uh, positive birthing stories because there are plenty of them out there. Don't go find the horror stories mm-hmm. because horror stories are unique to each and every pregnant yeah. woman. It's not... Like, it's not the same for every single woman. A horror story is never going to be the same for every single woman. Whereas, like, a positive birthing story, a lot of the time they're talking about things that are fairly universal and that happen to most women. You know, so most women will have normal labour. Most women will be able to go through this experience without having a cesarean, for instance. Um, Most women will be able to go through it without necessarily having to have things like an episiotomy. Um... Definition. So, an episiotomy. This is about as gruesome as it's gonna get. An episiotomy is the cut that they make. Yeah. Um, often to basically like help the baby's head come out. And um, if you go to, for instance, a a birthing house where it's just midwives, then they have techniques. Um, You can do standing techniques or you can do moving techniques to actually move um, the baby's body in such a way that you don't need an episiotomy. Um, whereas in the hospital, um, well, this is just like, it's just, it's it's not a rule and there are fantastic hospitals with fantastic practices and who are basically just peopled by midwives. And I think the, in, in Britain, for instance, they have sort of like far better attitudes towards, towards birth a lot of the time in hospitals because it's a lot more joined up care. But here in Germany, there's a much higher rate of episiotomy because it tends to be peopled by predominantly medical staff who treat birth as a medical condition. condition. Um, and so when they see the baby's head come out and then the shoulders are in the wrong place they just make that cut and then they pull or they use forceps or they do something like that you know 
Um, whereas like a midwife in a, in a birthing house will get you to change position and she'll get you to hold your hands up for instance and then come down really fast and that can often change the position of the baby. Good lord. She'll get you to go on your side, you know, there's various different kinds of ways mm. to get the baby in the right position so that you don't necessarily need to cut the, the area underneath, um, the, um, the labia. So, um, maybe yeah. <laughs> so that's an episiotomy. An episiotomy in a in a birthing house, for instance, happens in only twelve percent of pregnancies, twelve percent of births. Mm-hmm. But uh, an episiotomy can happen as many uh, in as many as forty five percent of births in a hospital. So just to give you sort mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. a there's a there's a massive difference mm-hmm. between having a birth in a birthing house with midwives or having a birth mm-hmm. in a hospital in Germany. Yeah, and that's not necessarily the same for every country. So mm-hmm. I think like going online. And finding YouTube videos that are going to give you positive stories about labor um, and going to take you through the whole process. So these women have, have been through it and they take you through basically their entire birthing story. And they give you loads of detail, you know, like how does a contraction feel? when it first starts, the first mm. part of labor, and how does it feel at the end? You know, it's a different kind of contraction, it's a different kind of movement that your muscles are doing. So that kind of thing. And then they take you all the way through until that point where they say, you know, meeting the baby was such a satisfying moment after such a you know painful process mm-hmm. um, of labor. So I think those kind of stories are so good in yeah. giving you preparation because horror stories are going to get you nowhere yeah, exactly. <laughs> all they're going to do is give you anxiety yeah um it's crazy isn't it because <laughs> we were all, we were all born mm. you know we were all we were all a result of this journey yeah and I, I i'm still viewing this as like oh i've got a few friends who've had babies but it's still something to me that i'm like well it's nothing i need to worry about like yeah. you know and, and i'm just like okay like whatever um and and yeah it still feels like something so but obviously we all came from a birth and the fact that, yeah, again, we talk about it in a very specific way in that it, it's a horror, horror story. Mm. It's, quite a, it's quite a weird thing, isn't it? I think it's really disempowering mm. because I think the way that we should be talking about it is how incredible yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, like the, the things that I've learned about what my body can do over the past nine months have been so empowering. Yeah. You know, the fact that my body is able to create an organ, for mm. instance. Yeah. You know, it's created this whole organ called the placenta mm. that's entire job is to feed my baby with all this nutrients. And that's why you feel so sick at the beginning. Right. You feel so sick at the beginning because your body is actually creating an architecture yeah. in order to actually feed and maintain and grow a baby in 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 your uterus. Yeah. And then over that nine months, it doesn't just grow one organ, it grows all those multiple organs yeah. inside the baby. I, th- I think it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And it's so empowering when you learn about it. You just think, wow, if women actually took a step back and realised we gave birth <laughs> to every single person on earth, yeah. and our bodies are the ones that are capable of doing that, you know, uh, male bodies are capable of producing millions and millions and millions of single cells <laughs> that like swim in one direction. Our bodies are creating humans, you know? And I feel like if women were really tapped into how amazing their bodies are, they wouldn't take half the fucking shit that the patriarchy throws at them. 
Do you know what I mean? Because, yeah. and, and I also feel like, in a way, it's the patriarchy's greatest achievement. It's the greatest weapon, though, as well. It's the greatest it, because... achievement to make us underappreciate our bodies yeah. and underappreciate what we're capable of doing. Um, but yeah, I guess can I give you can I give you a pregnancy fact about lions? Yeah, go on then. So it just made me think. So lionesses when they're pregnant, because obviously they still gotta do all the fucking hunting. They gotta do all that shit because himself is sat back there just shagging under that tree. Under that tree. Um, in lions, uh, lionesses' uteruses, they in their uteruses when they're pregnant, they have like a little hammock. Mm. where the baby where the um the the fetus mm. uh, attaches to because they be stretching they when they're hunting stretching. when they they're like running. when they're galloping so that so that the, the the fetus is on like a little bungee oh brilliant. so that so that like so that, mm. that it's not getting knocked around yeah sorry i just <laughs> that is genius if i can just throw in any lion facts turtle facts sloth facts i will i love that i think that's brilliant mm. Um, but yeah, going back to this whole, whole like empowerment thing, I think um, one of the biggest things that, so you asked about hypnobirthing mm. earlier, and one of the biggest things that hypnobirthing tries to tackle is this idea of fear. Because the argument is, and this is true across the board, I think hypnobirthing is basically like a really elaborate way of saying, um, it, it trying to give women as much knowledge as possible about the birthing process. Mm-hmm. And also giving them techniques of how to uh, to deal with contractions and to deal with like um, the the pain that those contractions do entail. And the, one of the biggest things that they try to um, to knock on the head is this is the fear that goes with um, that goes with birth. Because I mean, what you hear about so much is that oh you know like after you give birth then you realise like how awful it is and how terrible it is and and then you know. Oh, then, then you you realise that women just shit themselves, and then and then they you know have to cut you open, and they have to like you know make that episiotomy, and then oh, and sometimes they have to give you epidural injections, and there's just screaming everywhere, and there's you know no control over your bowels, and no control over this, and no control over that, and it's just a mess, and all this kind of stuff, and it's like okay, all of those things can happen. Mm-hmm in a birthing scenario but not all of them are necessarily going to happen to you mm-hmm. in your birthing mm-hmm. scenario and i think that's the biggest difference it's like the only things we talk about in birth are the horror stories and are the worst parts and are this this idea that it's so chaotic and it's so awful and it's so horrendous but actually if you're a midwife the thing that you want most in in that woman who's who's having that baby is for her to be calm because your contractions are different when you're stressed and when you're relaxed. If you're stressed, your contractions are actually going to be far less effective because what happens is the muscles in your uterus, they kind of like fist up. They like become like very, very hard fists. And actually when your when your contractions are the way that they should be, it's like waves. Mm-hmm. So what a contraction is, it's basically like part of the uterus, whichever part is functioning at that point, it's moving in a wave downwards towards the baby pushing it further and further into the birthing canal up against the up against the um uh the cervix and then slowly opening up that cervix with the head it's actually the baby's head that opens the cervix i learned all of this stuff it's absolutely incredible and then over a certain amount of hours once the cervix is dilated to a certain point then you can start pushing the baby out into the birthing canal and and then and then birth is, is completed 
So like these um, contractions that you're having, they're actually like waves. It's like, you know, I'm like using my fingers to do these kind of... Um, it's Spirit really beautiful. Fingers. I'm like, <laughs> like kind of, I'm it's, hypno, I'm yeah. hypno birthed by it. <laughs> it's, but it's like spirit fingers. Yeah, like imagine yeah. spirit fingers. Yeah. Like that's what a contraction yeah. is. Like going down in this direction. And if you're stressed, and if you're just thinking about the How next contraction, in, yeah. and you know, basically, like what happens with a lot of women is they get caught up in what's going to happen in the next contraction, and so they're like thinking, oh my god, I, that was so painful, mm. and it's going to get worse. I can't imagine how much more pain I can take I'm so stressed by all of this pain how can I get through it but really what you have to do is you have to really like center yourself and like really kind of like just be in that moment work out what works best for you to get through that moment of pain yeah get over that pain and then work with your body to then relax during that period between Between, contraction so you have maybe like three minutes and then two minutes and then maybe one minute between yeah. contractions and you need those that time yeah, to, recover. To, to recover and to like relax your body and all this kind of stuff so like basically what hypnobirthing is about and it, what most midwives try to do during the birthing process is to just make you as relaxed as possible and whether that's in a bath or whether that's with meditation or like I plan for instance <laughs> this is a very very like personal thing but um, I plan on taking Harry Potter. I bought myself some. Uh, oh, I love this. Some uh, <laughs> some cordless headphones. Yes. So, so, I, so Stephen Fry will talk you through so your. So Stephen Fry will just, you know, be there because like, I find Harry Potter incredibly soothing yeah. because I've been listening to Stephen Fry narrating Harry yeah. Potter since I was a kid. This is adorable. We're gonna at him. <laughs> we're gonna tweet him and we're gonna be like i plan on Stephen, taking him into that room you're gonna help that's so gorgeous you know, like and every time i want to sort of relax and sort of take my mind off what's happening take my mind off the pain just have Stephen fry in the background telling me about harry you know he he's getting up to all sorts yeah he's getting up to all sorts yeah so that's kind of like you know my big plan that's hilarious um, whereas other women with hypnobirthing they take in meditation tapes and right. stuff like that i don't find they work for me no. so that's not really what my plan is yeah but definitely relaxing music. I've also built yeah. a playlist at the moment as well. And um, and yeah, and also involving your partner as much as possible because they are your greatest ally. Like if, if you have a good relationship that is with your, with your partner and they're going to be there or with a birthing partner, mm-hmm. someone who's going to be there with you and just making sure that they have as much information about it as yeah. well. Yeah. And they can help you if you get into a panic, because yeah. that is totally normal. If you get into a panic, they can say, mm, hey, we we know what this is. You know, this is this stage. and we, we, we can understand what this is because of this, that and the other. And you're absolutely fine. Nothing's happening that's bad. The baby's fine. Yeah. We can feel him. Yeah. You know, all of that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And um, you'd ho- and you'd hope, yeah, like that these people would be people that you would feel calm with, anyway. Mm. So, do you think generally is there a move? You know, you so you're talking about like hypnobirds, and yeah, people. I think like me or at risk at kind of not uh, dismissing things like that or being like oh sounds a bit new age but like Mm. these things like they sound like very modern things and they are relatively new right is that there's like a shift towards these ideas of 
it not being like cut you open or like <laughs> or shove an epidural in your spine it's more use, utilizing the tools that your body has I would love to think that this is something that's happened in the last like 10 years but it hasn't we've been doing this for thousands yeah, and thousands of years like as long as human beings have been having <laughs> babies we've been we've been practicing the art of of healthy childbirth women-led childbirth and you know the the whole idea of medicalizing pregnancy and mm. childbirth is actually something that's really not that old. Mm. It's only a couple of generations. Yeah. Like we can go back really to the 1800s and blame yeah. the Victorians for yeah. it. Like they're the ones who blame started them for everything. Yeah, blame them for everything. Like yeah, absolutely horrible. everything. Like colonialism, white supremacy. Like you know, medicalization yeah. of birth. Yeah, <laughs> they're just the worst. Yeah, <laughs> they're the worst. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that generation of like you know white Europeans kind of medicalized this this process and so you would have things like the practice of women lying on their backs yeah which is insane for birth which is insane makes absolutely no fucking sense yeah um because like there's this wonderful thing that another white man found you know like 600 years ago called gravity yeah <laughs> it really helps yeah. if y'all could talk to each other about your you're like you know your scientific you know leaps forward yeah. That would be great. Yeah. It's called like interdisciplinary. <laughs> yeah, so this whole medicalization, I think this whole like, I'll cut you open and that'll solve all the problems. Um, or I'll shove drugs in you or I'll do this or I'll do that. You know, it's kind of like managing birth on a medical level is something that's really only been around. Again, I suppose, isn't it as well? Like, years. this is a, it's a mystery. I can't solve it. Yeah, of course it's you know, history. Yeah, it has to do with you know, women. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like, I can't solve this problem. I can't, you know, and, and yeah, maybe that's, that is a particularly, um, uh, you know, a, a particularly masculine trait. Uh, and and one of the, one of the wonderful masculine traits, problem solve this way, you know, yeah. maybe more logical, but in this very specific instance oh, and in gosh. many other instances, but particularly in this specific instance, this is not where that logic should be applied. Oh, absolutely. I think the male ego is absolutely the, the worst possible uh, companion inside of a birthing room yeah. because really like there is there's no fix it solution yeah. to the pain of a contraction no. there's no fix it solution no. you've just got to work yeah. through it and you've got to find a pathway through it and women are fantastic at that you know we're not like there's a problem we have to solve it immediately we have to find a solution and if there is no solution i'm just going to turn my back on it slash cut you open slash shove an epidural slash you know do all this stuff that i think is is, is what you need so can I give you another fun fact about pregnancy? Please do. Um, because you've been inundating me with yours. Fun fact about childbirth, as I understand, is that traditionally rich women, wealthy women, have been more likely to die in childbirth than poorer women historically. And that's apparently because of the richer women, wealthier women being tended to by doctors, <laughs> doctors loosely, um, quack doctors who... Um, are more concerned with getting it over and done with quite quickly and yeah using aggressive implements and making their names as doctors whereas poorer women only really have access to other women who actually do know what's going on like 
Betty down the road, you know, has got six. She she's no, she knows what she's doing. She's grand. She'll she'll be down there. She'll be helping. Your mother's there. Your grandmother's there. Auntie Pam's there. Whoever, and that that you're actually a lot more um, in a better position than a woman who's just got you know. Dr. Jericho from such and such or something. Like there's a lot of instinctive stuff that I think women just are very, very good at doing that are required inside of the birthing room. And a male ego that is trying to problem solve and fix it is not going to help. Because actually it's a process and it needs and you need to allow that process and you need and obviously like I'm not like someone who's like, oh, you should never have a cesarean, you know, for any any reason whatsoever, or you should never have an episiotomy for any reason whatsoever. Like, of course, these things are necessary in some cases, like absolutely. But the WHO, the World Health Organization, they recommend um, certain like proportions of births, including cesarean, and the the proportion of birth that they think you know should be a cesarean is around twelve to fifteen percent. You've got countries operating today at around 99%. Brazil is the highest rate of cesarean in the world. Uh, The United States is very high as well. And a lot of it has to do with the extreme medicalization of birth and also the private healthcare system, which basically is one born every minute is more money. Oh my God. Do you know what I mean? So, like, we need you out of that hospital bed so we can get another woman in that hospital bed because that's more money for us. So, like, there's this obsession with being on time. And if you're taking too long with your labour, that's a cesarean. That's a reason for a cesarean. That's the highest... Actually, also in Germany as well. Germany has a cesarean rate of 30%, which is double what it should be. Um, And if you compare, like, cesareans that happen in the hospital... Um, that's around 30%. If you compare that to what happens in a, in a birthing Birthing house, it's around 15%. So you can see there's a massive drop. Yeah. As soon as you go into an, an environment that is populated by women and also in a birthing house, they don't have access to any painkillers whatsoever. So I'm not going to have access to any painkillers whatsoever. So that sounds bonkers to me. Um, yeah, like well, a lot of a lot of women in contemporary birthing situations in Britain, for instance, will only have access to gas and air unless they really need it, and then they go up to a to a ward and get an epidural or or whatever they need for that. But um, yeah, in a birthing house, it's it's the same scenario. Like if you know if you need to go to a hospital because things are going wrong, that's going to happen for you, and that's going to happen in an instant and like there are precautions and there are signs that I you know forms that I've signed basically saying that if this happens or if this happens or if this happens I'm in the next ambulance and I'm at the at the hospital within 10 to 15 minutes well I don't know if it's the same in Britain it might not be the same I I had no idea that you were going to do it with no drugs (laughs) it might not be the same because the only reason I say that is because um birthing centers in Britain tend to be joined up to hospitals so they tend to be much more joined up care which I think is much better they have much more integrated healthcare system over there in terms of pregnancy and birth because I think what what I think I'm thinking of being very cautious in what we're saying here as well is that there's always this, this is, this is, this is again, this is a weapon of the patriarchy that you pit us against each other. Mm. So, well, I, I had a cesarean. Well, I didn't, I, I had this, I breastfed, I didn't breastfeed. You know, this constant, mm. um, this constant pitting 
women and mothers against each other um, in their decisions to, I went to a birthing house, no, I wanted to go to a hospital. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and again, yeah, as you say, maybe that is better in Britain to have them have them kind of this interdisciplinary, is that the I word see. I mean? Inter, interdependent, sorry. Yeah. Interdependent uh, system where whatever you need, you get. Absolutely. I think it just makes so much more sense. Yeah. Um, I think Germany really, really suffers from... Um, a really, really terrible attitude towards midwives. Um, really? Midwives, I have no idea. Midwives here, for instance, in terms of their profession, are being actively squeezed to a point where it's possible, if things go on the way it is going at the moment, it's, you know, a possibility that in 10 years' time, 15 years' time, 20 years' time, the midwifery profession will not exist. What? Uh, they have to pay, for instance, over 7,000 euros a year in insurance if you work in a birthing house or if you are a home birth midwife you have to pay even more insurance it's it's incredible and when you think about these midwives are not getting paid huge amounts of money they get on average one one point five thousand a month Mm. so you're paying a huge amount of money to practice your to practice your profession and the same amount of money is not required if you have a gynecological practice or if you have a obstetrician practice or you know if you're in the medical profession you know so this this whole profession of midwifery is being squeezed where does that attitude come from um i think it comes from the attitude of well we want all women to be giving birth in hospitals in hospitals and Just whereas, make it simpler, whereas make in the it uk like... with the nhs there is more integrated healthcare so you have women um or midwives being employed by the NHS as well as doctors being employed by the NHS and it's all kind of integrated healthcare and so you can have a birthing house that's attached to a hospital and if everything's going well you stay in the birthing house you have you have your baby in the pool and it's all wonderful yeah, and you have gas yeah. and air and that's yeah. it and that's all you need yeah. but if something goes wrong you've literally got to go two floors up yeah. and you're right yeah. there where you need to be yeah. so I think that's I think that's brilliant and I think that there are some fantastic attitudes more and more women for instance in the UK are going home have yeah, yeah. again my, my friend is a midwife she had her baby at home yeah she be, sounds like she's like incredible I could like <laughs> she's one of my favorite people in the world um she like and it sounds like she had him she was she was in bed at one point and one of the midwives came in and was like oh you, you're looking like this and like she's not bossy she's the boss um but uh she was like well I need to be on my other side then don't I <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, oh my God. And another thing she said, it was really funny. She was like, you know, she was at home and she at one point she was in a, in a pool at home and a little birthing pool and the midwife went off to go to the bathroom or whatever and she came back and her mum was there and her partner and they both said to the midwife, like, oh, you know, she's really, really pale. And the midwife turned to them both and was like, she's in an extraordinary amount of pain. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, she's pale. Yeah. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I just, but, but yeah, she she, uh, she gave birth at home and I think she maybe wrote her master's thesis on um, mm. on some of the benefits of gi- giving birth at home. Yeah. Um, I think it maybe lowers the lowers the chance of maybe infections or something. I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Of course like it does. Of course, because you're not if, in a hospital. If you're yeah, in a exactly. hospital, you're surrounded again. by infections. And again, that does not take away from women giving birth in hospitals. That's not the, no. that's not the, that's not the, the, no, the idea. But, not at all. But it's whatever, whatever anyone kind of like... Yeah, and I think it's, um, I think it's like really, really important to sort of emphasise the fact that modern medicine has meant that far more women are not having the same kind of extreme complications that they did before mm-hmm. um with birth so 
women, for instance, with preeclampsia or, yeah. you know. Jesus, we all remember uh, Downton Abbey. We all remember Downton Abbey. <laughs> so, you know, it's just uh, stuff like that. Like, those things can be treated now in mm-hmm. a way that they wouldn't have been able yeah. to be treated uh, two centuries ago yeah. or three centuries yeah. ago, which is amazing, yeah. which is great, and this is something that we should definitely, definitely applaud. I'm so excited for us to, because I think, you know, you put your disclaimer in there of being like, I'm not going to know that I don't this, know. Yeah. And there might be some, oh there might be some people like, yeah. well, you just wait. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you've sold me. Mm. I'm really excited for you. <laughs> I'm really, you've made it sound like, you've, you've, you've made it, I, you said to me, I want to make it, I want, I want for it to sound, you know, empowering. And it really does. I, like, I, I didn't, you sold it to me anyway well no I'm not going to do it <laughs> <laughs> but um you know it, it you've you have made sound this sound really empowering and something yeah something not to be terrified of something to be prepared for and yeah. to 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 use your strength for week we wanted to do a special segment on a woman of note in the media at the moment so pip can you introduce our woman of note for this week so i want to tell you about hedy lamar hedy lamar hedy lamar um i was first introduced to hedy lamar as i think many people were as a child um through watching blazing saddles you don't know films by mel brooks i don't which Listener, don't worry about it. I'm on it. I'm going to sort this out. I'm kind of horrified that Izzy doesn't know about Mel Brooks films. She's never seen Dracula Dead and Loving It. She's never seen Robin Hood Men in Tights. I have seen oh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. That is Mel Brooks. We have a whole childhood story about have Robin Hood Men in Tights. Have you seen Spaceballs? No. Okay. Um, okay. And you've not seen Blazing Saddles? No. Which is disgusting. Did you do Princess Bride? Uh, no. Although there's an, I think there's an attempt in in Princess Bride to be kind of a similar humor, but same actor. But, but no, I don't think Mel Brooks is in Princess Bride. No, no, no. It's um. Oh, sorry, Carrie. Robin Carrie Yules. Yes. Mm. Uh, sorry. Yes, that's what I mean. Um. Uh. Yeah. So Mel Brooks, Blazing Saddles, hilarious film. I will be so sad when when Mel Brooks dies. I love him so much. Um. Uh. He um <laughs> wrote um Blazing Saddles at a time. I think it was in the seventies that it was brought out. And um, there's a character called Hedley Lamar, and he's the bad guy. And it's based in the mid 19th century. And he's like, my name's Hedley Lamar. And Hedy Lamar, who I'm going to talk about, was very litigious in the 60s and 70s. And she sued everyone. <laughs> everyone. Litigious means that you sue people for writes, using your name or right. using this or using that. And um, Mel Brooks says to the guy who's playing Hedy Lamar, don't worry about it. It's 1845 or whatever. You can sue her. And she sued <laughs> for this for this reference. Anyway, you might not get that. It's fine. You're going to watch Blazing Saddles anyway. Hedy Lamar um, is just an incredible person. And there's a film coming out about her. The release date in Germany, I think, is the 22nd of March. It's going to be released in the, U- in the UK in April. Um, and it's called Bombshell, colon, The Hedy Lamar Story. Um, because Hedy Lamar is really fascinating. She was staggeringly beautiful. Um, but she also just had a really incredibly interesting life in that she was starring in films. She was um, 
born to Jewish parents uh, in Austria um, in, I think, 1914. Um, she moved in the higher echelons of society. Her parents, I think, were quite well-to-do. She married some... Jewish Austrian fascist, um, yeah, who was kind of who was kind of Austro fascism as opposed to National Socialism fascism. Right. Um, so he but he was kind of quite in with the Nazis to begin with. She was nineteen years old. She starred in. He probs regretted that. Later. He did. He did. Yeah, he ended up like having to run away, run away. <laughs> like, um, so she married this guy at nineteen or something like that, or maybe younger. She'd been in a film Ecstasy where she kind of like depicts having an orgasm. She's naked in it. This is pre code films so before all the all the you know um of the early 30s you have the introduction of the code which makes makes you know you can't show your ankles and you can't show this etc etc so she's in these we'll talk about it don't worry about it yeah it's it's, uh it's uh it's not fun um it's making wholesome family values in entertainment um but anyway she married this family values exactly she marries this guy and uh she (laughs) ends up like She'd sit at his dinner parties and some of his like Nazi mates would come round and they'd be like, oh, torpedoes, like blah, 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 blah. And Hedy was like, hmm. blah, 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 what? Hmm. Just, oh, I'm so pretty. I'm so pretty. I'm so pretty. Hmm. Torpedoes. Hmm. Hmm. Signals. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. And anyway, uh, eventually she tried to run away from her husband because obviously he was an arsehole and she drugged a maid and then uh, escaped because all the, all the service, all the staff, you can't get the staff, all the staff were in on it, keeping her locked up in a castle in Vienna. Um, anyway, she makes it over to the US, has a, a, a film career. She's, as I say, staggeringly beautiful. And that starts to kind of work against her a little bit because of course she gets typecast as a very beautiful um, woman with not much to do other than be beautiful and maybe seduce men or be the prize at the end, etc., etc. Um, But... During the Second World War, she becomes increasingly distressed, particularly uh, apparently when she hears of how torpedoes are being used to to blow up ships. You know, in one particular instance, many um, refugee children are killed by um, by a torpedo sinking the ship that they are mm. being transported on. And she invents in her spare time. <laughs> she invents things in her spare time. And she is told by her... Movie, movie studio you know like no you know you can make more money selling war bonds which is what all the major act- actresses do and also going to the Hollywood canteen which is where soldiers and sailors would go in Hollywood when they had leave and Rita Hayworth would be there and Betty Davis would be there Betty Davis ran it didn't she? She did run it yeah exactly mm. and um, uh, Hedy Lamar would be there on a Monday and Hedy Lamar was was was, was Monday on a Hedy it was Hedy Lamar on a, on a Monday night and um uh, so yes, but she's inventing in a spare time, and then she invents something. Listen, guys, you you don't listen to this podcast for science. Um, <laughs> well, maybe you do. You just you just reamed it off about birth and stuff. That was very scientific. That was very scientific. But um, uh, I tried to watch a video about uh, signal hopping, which is the thing that Hedy Lamarr right. and a man called George Antiel um, or Antal um, patented in 1942. Um, which was something to do with interfering with signals to make it more difficult or to, like, I don't know. I don't know. Because he was a, he was like a pianist. He was a composer. composer. He used like a a piano tuning technology. Exactly, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like the, I think maybe when you have the the pianos that kind of play themselves, maybe, is that Mm. what I mean? You have those punch cards that like, it was something to do with that. Like, so, so it's signal hopping and f- frequency hopping and spread spectrum. 
Yep. I wrote it down. So, so I understand. Never, so they could never tell so what, you already know this. what the frequency was. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They patented that in 1942. It wasn't used during the war. But then in 1962, the patent expired and it was actually used during the Cuban Missile, missile Crisis. Um, and then later on, it's being used in Wi-Fi and all this shiz that we're like using all the time. And this litigious bitch didn't get on that later? She did. She did figure it out and she was she was pissed. And that's why I'm finding quite interesting. And I'm, I'm hoping, I've you know watched the trailer for this film and I'm really hoping... One of the, I've seen, Susan Sarandon is the executive producer for it and she's been interviewed and she was kind of like, oh, you know, know, her beauty worked against her. I kind of hope that it's more than just, she was beautiful and really clever. Oh, who'd have thunk it? Like, Mm, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, who'd have fucking thunk it? Yeah, that happens. Mm. That happens. Like when, like, do you know what, because part of me is like, you know, I'm not really interested in just the, in just the idea of you can be beautiful and clever because... The whole reason, the whole thing about us being shocked by that has been, has been forced upon us by the movie, you know, by the, by the movie industry that was making those films back then. Mm. Those roles were, were put on us and put on society uh, then, during, by Louis B. Mayer, who's running, you know, like, um, MGM Studios saying, no, you know, she's not great, got great tits, but she's got a great face. And like, <laughs> like yeah. all this kind of stuff. Like, he applied, those standards were applied to us by them. And I don't want to kind of fall into that trap of being like, what? So she was beautiful and like, super smart? Like, like yeah, okay. I actually find it kind of more interesting that she went on a shoplifting spree. And she like... She sounds like hella complex, you know. She was also like, she adopted a child that she just abandoned. Mm. And she also, yeah, she just sounds like more, in, there's just more going on. Yeah, give us more than angels and demons. Yes, exactly. Yeah, give of... us give us more than kind of like uh, taking this woman who was seen in one way, but actually like she was also a total genius and she did this yeah, and that. Like... And then we can see her in another way. It's like, don't just give us that. Give us a complex female character yeah. who has flaws yeah. but is also able and competent yeah. to do certain things you know all right guys so that's all we've got time for this week so thanks very much for listening big shout out to georgia our fabulous uh, social media guru and um uh, lifestyle coach and to Alex as well, Pip's living lover slash chef slash editor of this podcast slash music maker of this podcast as well. Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, both uh, accounts at Sistrionics, and you can like us on Facebook. And yeah, if you know anyone you think might like Sistrionics, please just let them know. It doesn't cost anything. You'll like it. You'll feel good. We'll feel good. It's all good. Spread the word. Spread the word. The gospel truth that is Sistrionics. Sistrionics.